learning happens when all things come together and what can only be described as perfect chaos. And welcome to the Perfect Chaos Podcast. It's Rhonda and David, and together we make up the Perfect Chaos team. Perfect Chaos not only represents how we started this, but also who we are. I'm an assistant professor of education at a local university, and David is a program director and professor at a nearby community college. Our backgrounds are diverse and range from sociology, criminal justice, fire, emergency medical services, emergency management, and together education. And this all comes together into our perfect chaos. Critical thinking in the classroom is something that is sought at every level of education. For this episode, we're going to look at some ideas about critical thinking in your classroom and some things to try to encourage more critical thinking outside of just simply asking your students why all the time. And we'll be right back with this discussion after these messages from our sponsor. We are Rhonda and David, and this is our perfect chaos. So today's discussion is going to be about critical thinking. And from the look over there, you're doing some of it right now. But uh, we, we have our conversation about critical thinking. And uh, so we're going to just jump right into this conversation. So what is critical thinking? I think what it looks like varies um, across our classrooms, across our disciplines, across our grade band. But I think when I'm when I say critical thinking, what I'm really wanting is for my students to have the ability to look at information and a not just take that everything that they read is gold. Because, you know, I mean, I know there's so much good information out there, but, you know, Abraham Lincoln once said that we can trust everything we read on Facebook and I need my students to recognize why that's really not a great thing um, to follow uh, outside of just the fact that you probably shouldn't trust everything you read on Facebook. We did just see Abraham Lincoln doing a pretty cool dance. That so. was not a cool dance, David. It was some weird thing on your phone. It was weird. But, you know, he's still he's still there. And No, but I, I do think giving our students the ability to not only question to come up with their own ideas. But I think another aspect of critical thinking is also how to how can we question things respectfully? How do you, how can you question and get to the bottom of things without it being a big deal, without it being an affront to somebody? Um, and I think all of that kind of goes into this thing of critical thinking. I think for us, we both teach in rural areas. We have a lot of first-generation college students. You know, and even when I was teaching high school, one of the things is I would ask them all the time, you know, what, what do you think about this? And the response I got was, well, what, what do you want me to think about this? And that's like the antithesis, uh, antith- antithesis, antithesis, however you want to say it, of critical thinking. Like, I I don't want to tell you how to think. I want you to take the information. I want you to evaluate. I want you to synthesize. I want you to analyze. And I want you to come up with your thoughts on it. And that, to me, when we start talking about critical thinking in the classroom, 
regardless of what level we're at, that's what I want. So this gets down to those individuals that we have talked about that uh, can't find their can't think their way out of a box. Yes. You know, and so the idea is give them enough information to understand that they're in a box. They need to get out of the box. But we're not telling them that they're in the box and we're not telling them how to get out of the box. They have enough information they've derived that they can derive an outcome that puts them from inside the box to outside the box. Well, and also that they have the ability to look and go, okay, you've told me that I'm in a box, but let me do some exploration on my own and make sure that I really am in a box. Well, that's that's actually a really good point. So, you know, not just think your way through the problem or do what, you know, a lot of places call computational thinking, uh, you know, how to solve that, that real problem, but also... Am I really in the circumstances that I'm seeing? So once we once we've identified what critical thinking is, and you know, this is a good conversation uh, starter for everybody to have within themselves. I mean, they need to define what critical thinking looks like to them. And while we have a definition, everybody's going to be able to add a little bit to it. The idea is, you know, while we're both in education, we we kind of have uh, both. A uh, little bit different foci. You always, I always love to toss that out there because I love to see your. But to, anyways, you know where you're teaching the next generation K, uh, P12 uh, educator. I'm looking at the next generation working on fire trucks or ambulances, and while the outcome of both of ours is a little bit the same, uh, critical thinking really is the same within both of them. So you know the way I look at this is the fact that. We can go through just about every scenario that we have ever experienced in our lives. We can write them down. We can do the decisions that we made, the conditions that they were in, and the outcomes. However, we know that even if the conditions are the same, the decision is the same, the next time something may be slightly off, and so an outcome is going to be different. So this is where critical thinking gets me is we can tell you, you know, for me, hey, you have chest pain, substernal chest pain, feels like somebody's sitting on you, radiating the left arm, goes to the chin, the back, makes you nauseous, nauseous, possibly vomiting, difficulty breathing, you're having a heart attack. It may not be the same the next time because it may not be that substernal or radiating chest pain with nausea and vomiting, difficulty breathing. They may have tooth pain. Which is experienced. Don't worry, you have not fallen prey to some strange EMS podcast. We are still <laughs> on the perfect chaos. We David are. just forgets where he is no, some no, days. No, no, no. I, I mean, but, you know, so, you know, the circumstances are the same. And so the critical thinking part of that is knowing that you can't get this out of a re- recipe book. Even recipe books, when you, when you. Cookbooks. Yes, cookbooks. <laughs> <laughs> Even when you break out a cookbook uh, and and go through the recipe in the cookbook, uh, you know, you may do everything exactly as it says. And one, it doesn't taste as good as somebody else that had made it or, uh, you know, so. That's because there's a re- uh, ingredient that goes in that's never in the cookbook. And that is, I, I know what the answer, but uh, I'll go ahead and ask the question. And that is. Love. Okay. <laughs> And a little bit of extra butter. 
<laughs> if, and if, you're, if you're probably Dean. And if you're cooking garlic and wine seasoning. Hey, it, it all depends. I put it in some things, not all of it. But but again, you know, so the idea is with critical thinking, you do have that outcome that's different than what is expected. You know, how do you how do you find your way back to the path you need to be on? Well, and and I think, you know, one of the things and it came from one of your West Wing episodes. Ha ha, I get to throw out the West Wing thing. And it's, you, you can tell us which episode it is after I say this, but it's the one where, like, they're interviewing CJ and they talk to all the old press secretaries. Yeah, it's a right? great episode. And it, it, so it's a, it's a different episode. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of weird, but one of the things that it talks about is this change in the news cycle to this 24-hour news cycle, right? And I bring that up because I think, you know, when we're talking about having our students think critically and having them develop those skills, it's easy for us to to be like, yeah, but I'm teaching them colors or I'm teaching them addition. Why, what is their, why is there this need to think critically? You know, and I think back to that episode and how we do get so much information. It's an information overload, and it's an information overload 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, I can remember when we were young, and on Christmas Day, there was no news. Like, it wasn't a thing. They had, like, pre-recorded episodes wishing you Merry Christmas and stuff, but there was no news, you know, unless there was just some mass disaster or tragedy You didn't see news. And now there's news all day long. Multiple channels all day long. Right. So with all of that coming at us, and, you know, one of the fun, I guess, if we want to call it fun, things that we know is that when you start looking at things like statistics, having the ability to look at the statistics and and not only understand them, but also having that forethought to say, wait, hold on a second. Any number can be spun. So let's actually look at what we're trying to look at, right? Let's put some logic into it. I think there's so many different areas shouting at us all the time and shouting at us as adults, shouting at our kids, shouting at our students, you know, it's all, it's so much information. It's so much overload and it's so many different, this is right. No, this is right. No, this is right. No, this is right. You know, but for them to have the ability to take all that they're hearing and then go, okay, I hear this part. I hear this part. I hear this part. I hear this part. And now based on my own experiences, I'm going to take that with my own knowledge base and And this is what I think is actually going on. And it doesn't always have to be the big stuff. Well, I think one of the big things, and absolutely love that episode because they they do get into uh, several uh, of the the live prior press secretaries, not not fictional characters. But I think one of the big things with that is the fact that we get all of the information and the information is so readily available that there's no time to actually digest and break down what we're seeing. And you're supposed to have an answer for it on the fly. Yeah. And, and 
before the next piece of information comes in, the next piece. And, and you know, depending on what we're doing, if we're in the middle of a classroom and there's several different uh, stressors that are coming to us, we've got students that are yelling or about to fight, and then we've got others asking questions about this, that, or the other. You know, there's several things. As a, as a teacher, you've got to be able to handle that and respond in a professional manner. And maybe uh, even triage the events, right. to use your words. And but the thing is, is growing up now, you know, our, our son has been, you know, since he was born, our daughter, not so much because uh, it was several years before some of the uh, uh, mass devices started becoming regularly available. But for our son, his entire life, we've had iPads and iPhones and high speed Internet and, you know, all this other stuff. And so all that information is there. So they're always seeing it, always seeing it, always seeing it. And one of the things is, is they don't process. That's one of the reasons why we, you know, hey, I hear it. And so it is. And then you're like, well, no, if you really go back to it and look, that was their opinion on. But if you were to tie two and three things together, you'd realize this was the, the true thing. So, Right. Even teaching our students to understand the difference between an opinion piece and a fact-based piece. Right? Right. Um, and, you know, the the flip side of this is if we're trying to teach our kids to think critically and analyze and come up with their own ideas, then we're also teaching them that, hey, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And we're also teaching them how to respond when it doesn't and how to stand up and say, you know what? I thought it was going to be this way and it wasn't and I messed it up, but. We're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. Well, and it's just like this. You know, here's the thing. And just like we're doing, this is our podcast. And, you know, we've had a little bit more than a year to, to do this. And we have both been in our fields for quite a while now. However, this is our opinion. Oh, yeah. There's, yeah. It's... I mean, uh, <laughs> by, at the end of this, you know, we reference some of the things that we I uh, tend to go over, but, you know, when, when you take a look at it, this is, a, this is an opinion piece. And I was looking at something just the other day, and it was kind of talking about Spotify and how Spotify pays. And when they take a look, uh, you're like, well, why, do, why doesn't Spotify pay podcast hosts the same as they do by Taylor Swift? And the thing, and somebody had a response like, well, you know, when 90% of the podcasts that are out there are just somebody that's doing something, there's no professional aspect to it. And, uh, you know, regularity and quality and content and all that, you know. And so we have access to, and, and when we started this, we started with almost no equipment. We did it on our patio. In fact, uh, what you hear in our audio is actually our first, uh, it was recorded in the back, you know, there was no equipment needed for it. Uh, we could do it directly from our iPhone, and a lot of people are doing that. So there's a ton of information. My students did a podcast from my from my iPhone and, last semester. And so, you know, there, there's a lot out there. And so part of that critical thinking is, you know, knowing enough to know, hey, where is this coming from? Looking back and, and ultimately making your own judgment out of all of the relevant information. Well, I mean, and like I said, it doesn't always have to be the big deal thing. Right. Sometimes it's not a big deal. And that's OK. You know, it. I think back to this quote, I don't know, it's something I've heard all my life and it came from Coco Chanel and it was this, I think it came from Coco Chanel. I could be wrong. Somebody will tell me if I am. But this whole concept of look in the mirror and take three things off before you leave. 
right? To have that critical eye of saying, hey, this doesn't look good with that, or this is too much. We can, we try to do that with our kids with clothes, right? That's why at two, we let them go out in the rain boots and the Superman cape and the, you know, shorts and the goggles and the tutu all at the same time, right? Um, you remember when our daughter played t-ball? She, There was one little girl on her team that wore her tutu every game, but Alyssa had a tutu that she wore every once in a while, and it was cute, right, because they were five. Right. But then by the time she got to playing softball and going to tournaments, n- nobody's wearing a tutu anymore, right? right? Because now we... We have grown. We have determined that, okay, maybe this was not super appropriate. But I also know that my cousin, who is a softball coach, their practice at, around Halloween, they all dress up like it's a thing, right? So determining when is the appropriate point to do that, you know. Um, and I, all of that is part of critical thinking, and I don't want us to get bogged down in that it's always got to be the big thing. We're not always analyzing the statistics. But we are maybe sometimes going, you know what, I really wanted to wear shorts today. And it's 20 degrees and icing outside. And I've got to stand at the bus stop. Not around here because this is the south. And if it's 20 degrees and icing, we are out. But where my sister's living right now, yeah, if it's 20 degrees and ice, they they're still going, you know. I don't know if it's 20 degrees and ice. It may be a, uh, this time of year, maybe a, uh, it's a heat wave. A heat wave in there. They're like <laughs> celebrating. I talked to her the other day and she was like, yeah, it's negative two here. I, I don't do those numbers. I don't understand <laughs> negative numbers and temperature. They're not rational. I think <laughs> it's what we'll, we'll have to. I think critically that that is not the way I want to live. <laughs> but <clears throat> I do think there's something to that. And I think that it's something that, we model for our students and it's also something that's on the rubric in the state of Tennessee. It's on the, the evaluation rubric. It's on a lot of different evaluation assessments, you know, critical thinking skills. How are we encouraging critical thinking? And so what ends up happening is how do we do that? We tell them something and then we ask the famous question, why do you think this is? So why is two plus two? Right. So this this goes back to almost all the way back to our beginning when we did episode six, which was our soft skills conversation. You know, there's a lot to talk about soft skills, but the one difficult thing is it's very almost subjective because everybody looks at things a little bit different. And so when you say, why does this do this? You know, it's really hard to say that somebody's wrong because that's the way we did take it. You know, how do you measure, you know, your interactions with somebody? You know, every situation is slightly different, but, you know, in this, you know, how, you know, yes, it says critical thinking. How do you assess that critical thinking to get it past a state or national assessment that you have to do for your students? Well, and... And also, as teachers, how do we determine where the critical thinking can go, right? We have both taught things that could not really have a critical thinking piece. Um, And by that, 
I mean, not that you can't think critically about it, but that in that world at that moment that we were talking about it, either we couldn't ask the question why, because they don't really have enough to come back with an answer. Right. Um, they, they don't have a prior history of that type of knowledge. They don't, you know, when you're teaching something that they've never heard of, asking why gets you a lot of blank stares. Or sometimes things just are. Like right? Sometimes why is not the, the question. Um, and you keep referencing the two plus two, but, but that's it. Right. You know, I mean, why, you know, the question, it was on our daughter's first grade homework and it said, you know, it was a math sheet and you had to add two plus two. So she added two plus two. And then the next question said, why is that your answer? And she looked at us. Because. And she said, (laughs) why is two plus two four? And I went. Because it is. She looked at you and you went, because it is. And we took it to one of our friends who is the chair of a math department. And he said, because math. (laughs) What they were asking was not why. They were asking, how did you get to that? The answer they wanted was, well, if I have two things and then I get another two things, when you count all of those things together, you get four. That's what they wanted. Right. Why is not the right answer? R- or why not is, the right question. Right. So <laughs> because why is two plus two four? Because math. Right. It, it, and, and, that, you know, and that works. But, uh, you know, so I, I, this is something that I've kind of talked about, especially with, with our kids. But, you know, we get into a lot. It's like, well, why do I need to know this? And when you take a look at it, you know, in, in its basic form by itself, the answer is, Probably not. You probably don't need to know that. But the more that we have in the back of our mind, the more that we know how to respond to different things. You know, our brain stores all of that information up there. And, you know, it's one of those things that you get into a situation like, hey, I remember this one. And then you you know the way out, whether it's math, whether it's English, whether it's um, social studies, history, those kind of subjects. At some point in time, you know, our body puts that information together, our mind puts that information together, which is critical thinking, and we're able to use it whenever we need it. Well, and it just, I don't know, I feel like we, a lot of times we get confused, or <laughs> not necessarily that we get confused, but the whole issue of critical thinking gets confused, um, Critical thinking is not necessarily trying to find fault. It's just simply taking the information and thinking it through. Like, what does this mean? How could I use this? What does this look like in my world? You know, and it could be something as simple as, what are you going to wear? It doesn't have to be the big... We're not always asking some big philosophical question. Um, You know, but developing those skills for the easy things are what prep our kids for the hard things. It's what preps our kids to, when they're getting information from all over the place, to be able to sit and go, okay, hold up. 
I've got this piece of information. 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 Now I'm going to use all those plus my prior knowledge to make a decision. Now, this is, you know, does take us, when we're looking at it from the uh, classroom leader, from the educator perspective, this may get into some of those disruptive kids. You may be teaching them and they start to look through that information and they start to ask questions. Well, and the thing about it is, for me, in my experience, and, you know, you said earlier, we're, we're all about opinion. I mean, we try to base it in some of these learning sciences, some of the pedagogy that we know, but a lot of it is based on our experiences. For me, what I found was when I could get my students to think critically, those problem kids, the disruptive kids, weren't being disruptive. It also forced me, forced me to think about my content in a more deliberate manner, but to think about how I taught it, how I maintained an environment that was open for them to ask those questions, you know, um, and and opened this pathway for learning to be that reciprocal relationship, which is what it really should be. I mean, if you want some theory behind it, you can look at Yuri Bronfenbrenner's theory of human ecology. It's all about this reciprocal relationship between the world and the student. <coughs> and for me, what I found was, as I encouraged more and more critical thinking, my students would shock and awe me in good ways. <laughs> Not in the, oh, wow, you really just said that way, but in ways that maybe weren't the right answer, but they were at least thinking through, right? Um, I'll never forget, I gave a quiz, and it was about the, the golden uh, hour in forensic science. And so I had a kid that he absolutely could not remember what it was. So on the quiz, he wrote the funniest thing, one of the funniest things I've ever read. And what happened was, as he wrote it, trying to just be funny, but he ends up coming up with an answer. And within this story that he writes, he tells what that golden hour is and explains it in a way that made it make more sense to him, right? And he only did that because I had been encouraging him to think critically about it. You know, I say in my classes all the time, I am not a yes man. I don't want, like, I don't need people to agree with me. It doesn't make things better or worse or different at all just by having people agree with me. Well, and the direction I was heading with a disruptive student is usually those individuals, if you allow them to ask those questions, uh, they are they are already starting to get into, as you mentioned, you know, the synthesis of that information. You know, they're they're looking at how to continue to make that learning process. But at times as an educator, we may sit there and go, hey, I don't have the time for these questions because I'm busy. I've got teaching. I've got 
27 other students in the classroom and your questions keep, you know, we want to foster that. We want to encourage that. We want to, I mean, that's the stuff that we're trying to get to. Well, and the funny thing is, in actuality, even when they're trying to be disruptive, they have to think about the content to come up with a question. Right now, some of them don't. Some of them are just going to, you know, ask you things like, what's the meaning of life? And that we can just go on with and whatever. But when they're actually asking questions about the content, they do have to think about it to get there, right? It's not just a random, I'm going to ask weird questions. There has to be some thought. So anytime we're getting them to think about what we're teaching, we're doing our jobs, right? That's that's a piece of it. The goal is to engage them with the content. So, I mean, that's really um, a piece of this critical thinking aspect to me. So what are some of the ways to grow critical <laughs> thinking of our students other than just asking them why? So we've kind of alluded to some, but, uh, you know, commonly the response is why? You know, the question, I should say the response, the question is why? Why or explain? Explain. Um, and I don't really like either one of those, just to be totally honest. I don't have a problem with with asking why and with asking students to explain their thinking. Um, I do have a problem when that's our go-to. You know, I personally like to use things like, what does this concept look like in what you're wanting to do? You know, I mean, I teach future teachers, so as we talk about things... Every single thing that we talk about, we go back to what would this look like in your classroom, right? So last week I was teaching um, the SAMR model of technology integration, right? So we worked our way through it. And then the next piece was for them by, by the time of our next class this coming week, they're supposed to come in with an example for each, each piece of SAMR of what that could look like in their classroom. That's critical thinking. But it's something that is legitimate to them. It's something that makes sense to them. It's something that they can feel is useful, right? We all know that one of the problems that we commonly have is, and you alluded to it earlier, when students ask that question of why, why do I need to know this? Well, one of the things I like to do is turn that back on them. Why do you think you need to know this? How could what I'm teaching impact your future career or your life? Because not everything's going to have something to do with their career. And you know what? The fun thing is, sometimes the answer is, I don't know how it could impact. That's okay. Sometimes the answer to that question of why do I have to learn this is just simply because this is a requirement. And sometimes in life, there are things that we have to do that may not make the most sense and may not be the most productive, but it's a requirement for whatever. We are all in education at this point. I'm fairly certain all of us have at least one thing that we have to do a day that perhaps is not the best use of time, perhaps is... Not the best use of talents. Not the best use of talents. Um, 
perhaps is not even what we thought we were signing up for, right? But it's just something we have to do. And you know what? Having students understand that, to be able to apply that, I, th I think that's also important. And that's also building in that critical thinking. Everybody is going to have hoops that they have to jump through, regardless. E every day, there's some hoop you have to jump through. For some people, it's a speed limit, right? Um, for some people, it's a class they have to take that they don't want to take that doesn't make sense. For some of us, it's some piece of paperwork a meeting, right? Otherwise, there wouldn't be all the mugs and t-shirts that say, I just survived another meeting that should have been an email. All of us have some hoop that we have to jump through, right? Another aspect of critical thinking is teaching our students when to recognize that, okay, I don't like this and I want to do it, but this is a hoop that I have to jump through, right? It's not, this is not the most important piece of my day, but it's something that I have to do to continue on in what I'm trying to do, you know, and, and to be able to differentiate from what's important, right? How many times have you been teaching and, and you're in the process of teaching and some student raises their hand and they say, is this important? Is it going to be on the test? Okay, so let's start thinking critically. What's, what is important, right? Because there is knowledge that both of us have. There are classes that both of us have had that we have learned what we had to learn to get through the class, to pass the test, etc. And then there is knowledge that we have held on to because it's the thing that we do all the time, right? So how do our students learn to differentiate between those? Where do they go to find that? Um, and, you know... Even thinking of things like when they write an email, thinking critically about what they say in an email, right? You know, my favorite email that I ever received, my favorite question, and I say that very sarcastically, that I ever get from students always goes something like, I was out last class or I'm going to be out next class. Are we going to do anything? Are we doing anything important? Right, and, and there is a very valid piece to that, and I understand what they're trying to ask, but, you know, perhaps the ability to, to think about what we're asking and go, wait, is that really what I'm trying to ask? No, what you're trying to ask is, how can I find out what I missed? Right. Am, am mm -hmm. I going to miss an, an assessment, an assignment, a major thing? Am I just missing lecture? Right. Those are that's what they're actually asking. They're not really asking, are you doing anything? But the question that gets written or asked is always, are we doing anything? Right. Um, that's a life skill to be able to stop asking, are we going to do anything? Right. Because. I will, my students will tell you, if you ask me that, the answer you're going to get is, nope, thought we'd all sit around and cry because you're not going to be there. Why? Because I teach college students and I'm sarcastic. Well, and, you know, we've, you're talking about one specific, but that's, that communication component is really 
anything. There, there are dozens of messages we've gotten. And I, I use the one I go back to, you know, I, I was able to take a class. There was an individual that asked me how I got that class. Well, when it came across, it was like, how did you get to take this class? And I'm like, I paid for it. I took time off. I went, I paid for the hotel and I got it done. Now he's like, now, how did you get this class? And it came across the second time, just as a repetitive question, as we all know, you know, repetitive question, it's going to get even worse. You know, it's like amplified in what's in my mind. And finally, after the fourth message back and forth, I just said, I'm just going to call. And that individual was trying to find out how I got that class because they were trying to take the class themselves. They weren't asking how you got that class. They were asking, how, how do I get that class? Right. And so, you know, it's like, hey, I know you went to this class. How do I, how am I able to go? Hey, great. But it's like, how did you get this class? Well, it amplified, you know, they could have put capital letters on the U and that was the way it was in my brain. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And it was like, well, what is this message? I've had plenty of conversations with students like, look, let me tell you how this message came across. Oh, or, you know, as we're doing narrative, uh, narrative narrations for our uh, clinical encounters, you know, when you say this, this is how it's going to be read in the court of law. This is how it's going to be read through your quality assurance committee. This is how it's going to be, you know. And so we joke and say words have meanings. And, you know, on Friday we had this conversation with the first semester group. And it's like, do you eat grandma? Well, one misplaced comma. Commas also have meanings. Uh, you know. Oxford comma for the win all the way. So, you know, one, 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 one is cannibalism, the other is compassion, you know. And so, uh, you know, anyways, there, there's, we, we've given a whole lot of conversation about critical thinking. We would certainly love to hear everybody's thoughts uh, on this topic as well, because, you know, it is something that we get told we have to do. We get told we have to assess students doing it from your P12 background, my EMS, you know, our students have to critically think, well, that's great. How do you do that? How do you assess that? Um, so there's a lot there. So we'd definitely love to hear from you. Um, any parting thoughts and you can go into your. Um, I think the biggest thing is just that, you know, I get reminded sometimes <laughs> we do this and we're always looking at it from the lens of education. But I think if we take a step back, even maybe especially on this one if you take that step back and look at it from a big picture standpoint you know the the term and i hate it but the term sheeple has been used a lot in the past five or six years maybe more than that and it's been used to describe lots of different people and i think I hate that word and I hate that we're calling people that word like that's just wrong let's just be kind to each other but I can also see that without us being intentional about teaching critical thinking and about teaching those skills and about teaching how to do it respectfully that is what you end up with is is exactly that concept of sheeple um you know, and I don't, I don't want to call it sheeple. I'm not, I don't want to call anybody out as sheeple by any means. That is not what I'm saying. But I do think right now in the world as it is, it's a very divided society. 
There's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of craziness out there. There's a lot of real information, but a lot of false information, a lot of deliberate misinformation, you know, a lot of spin being put on things. I think it is more important than ever that we're modeling this for our students, that we're teaching our students this, and that while we're doing this, while we're going through this aspect of critical thinking and what it is and what, why we should do it, that we're also spending a lot of time on how to do it and, and be kind. That there is a way, you know, it, it's the age-old joke of when you put on a pair of jeans and you look at your friend, right? You say, does this look okay? And if it doesn't, and your friend says yes, so that they don't hurt your feelings, well, they're actually doing you more harm than good, right? But on the flip side, you don't want your friend to look at you and be like, girl, no, those are horrible. Take them off. You should have never bought them, right? That You can say that in a different way and still get the same point across. So I, I don't want us to forget that piece of it, that not only should we be thinking critically about information, data, you know, the things we're hearing, the things we're seeing, the things that people are telling us, but also thinking critically about our own responses. And I think there's a big reflection piece to this, too, that maybe we'll look at in another episode. Well, I think that kind of rolls directly into your item for the week. So let's go ahead. All right. So my um, tip of the week, one thing that I have done, I'm not a resolution person. I don't like New Year's resolutions um, because I I just don't. I, I don't manage to keep them. It's never something that's worked for me. Um, but several years ago, uh, I stumbled upon this concept of instead of doing a resolution to choose a word for the year and that that word would just be kind of the theme throughout the different different aspects of your life, something to focus on. Um, I put this tip in this episode for a couple reasons. One, um, I think the ability to determine a, a word or a focus for the year allows us to set lots of different goals, you know, and, and to have them be measurable goals and attainable goals and, and be things that we can work on. And that, oh, well, I didn't meet this goal, but you know what? I've got this other goal that's kind of having to do with the same thing and, and to give us kind of some flexibility with that. But I also think it could be a really good critical thinking exercise for your students to have them reflect on an area um, in their life that they think they might like to grow. You know, um, there's all, all sorts of words. Uh, my favorite place to get information about this is at oneword365.com or you can just google oneword365 uh there's communities about around the words you know and sometimes they're big words and sometimes they're not you know my word i've had peace i've had pause i've had grace intentional was my word intentional was actually my word for 2020 i had no clue how relevant that was going to become um I've had gratitude was a word, you know, um, and then this year it is trust. 
and you know, I think there's a lot to that, but to allow your students to really think about uh, what's an aspect of, of my life, of my humanness in which I would like to grow. So uh, that's kind of my tip of the week is to try, try a word, maybe for a semester uh, with your students, maybe for a year for you, you know, um, but, but try finding a word and, and see how that guides you for the year. And don't forget... First semester that it's out there, don't forget to go by Kendall Hunt and check out Rhonda's textbook on educational technology, practical ideas. Big ideas and practical applications for the classroom. Yes, it is out. It's on Kendall Hunt Publishing. Um, So, yeah, it's official. It's out there. There you go. So as we conclude today, we would like to say that we always look forward to recording these episodes and engaging with each of you. However, without your feedback, we do not know what you're thinking. So please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. You can also find us on our Perfect Chaos website at www.perfect-chaos. And don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter at Perfect Chaos 7 Instagram at Perfect Chaos 7 and also on Facebook. You can find us personally at our Twitters for Rhonda <laughs> is on our Twitter. So you can tweet, 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 tweet. Wow. Where okay, can you tweet let us? me help you out. The website is <laughs> www.perfect-chaos.org. You, you, you forgot that part. That's going to be consequential. And you could tweet us. Mine is at drrblevins. And mine is at DSBLEV. If you're following us on the Anchor.fm platform, you can also hit the message button and send us a voice message. So on the topics of critical thinking today, if you would like, send us a message by hitting that uh, voice message button, and we can include those in some of our future episodes, and we'd love to include those to hear what you are saying. Don't forget you can go by the Pursue Company, the official apparel for the Perfect Chaos podcast, the Pursue Company uh, is a local company here uh, close to us that uh, has made our merchandise available, short sleeve or long sleeve shirts. Uh, you can go by and take a look at those uh, at thepursuco.com. They also support Level 146, an organization that is helping end human trafficking uh, across the globe. So make sure and go by and get those. Uh, and uh, we would also like to see your pictures, so make sure and shoot us Uh, some of your images on our social media and your perfect chaos apparel. So remain calm in your perfect chaos.